0: Welcome back to the welsh history podcast my name is jonathan and today is episode 30 welsh winter traditions this week we're going to be a little different than normal we're going away from our normal historical look and where we're at currently in wales and talk a little bit about some of the traditions we're going to go at them in different segments i've taken a lot of the information i found off of uh, a couple of different websites i know the um Wales.com actually has several of them, and they're quite fascinating to look at there. And as well, if you're looking online, Wales Online, the newspaper uh, website for Cardiff and area has a bunch as well. So this is where we can kind of start from. This may not be a very long episode, but I want to at least give you some background to some of the things. For those who don't live in Wales or don't necessarily know some of the traditions, and The usual thing to do, of course, would be to recite something like The Child's Christmas in Wales, but I wanted to kind of go away from that because it's something that gets done quite often. And as well, you may end up hearing this at some point down the road, and that is actually more applicable to the Victorian and Edwardian eras of Welsh history rather than our current Dark Ages history. Some of the things, of course, we're going to talk about now also don't apply, but that's fine. As I said... I'm trying to give a sneak peek for those who aren't necessarily as knowledgeable about some of the other traditions of Wales that may or may not go back many, many, many years. Uh, So let's start, first of all, with Nósan Gaflaith, known also in English as Toffee Evening. While staying up to wait for Pleigain, or Christmas Eve, families make toffee or taffy. This special kind of toffee was boiled in pans and pulled while it's still warm. Um, it was especially popular, actually, uh, as a Christmas and New Year's activity in areas of North Wales during the 19th century. Families would invite friends to their home for supper, followed by games, making the toffee, and storytelling. As part of the old religious traditions, there was also the tradition of Playgain. Uh It's an old, very old tradition, uh, and it usually is something that is done on Christmas Day, and. Some points, it was started as early as three in the morning and went till six a.m. In the early hours of Christmas morning, men would gather in rural churches to sing. They would sing mainly unaccompanied and three- or four-part harmony carols in a service that would go for three hours or so. And after that, they would go to normal or more normal Christmas activities. And this may harken back to the old Catholic ideas about uh, chanting and singing and as well as possibly old Welsh ideas of this kind of thing. Um, and it's interesting that it's done at such an early hour in such a way, and and that it it still is a varied idea. It's definitely something which exists to some extent for some people even today. Um, but it was incredibly popular in the 19th century, and while many people would rise early for the service, most would stay awake through the night before attending. It uh, still plays a role in some of the rural communities in Wales even today, so it is something of a a tradition that that remains popular and important in, as I said, the rural areas of Wales. A somewhat stranger tradition is the tradition of the Mary Lloyd. Mary Lloyd, or the Grey Mare, is a pre-Christian tradition according to some scholars. uh, And it was said to bring good luck. And we do know that the written tradition goes back at least as far as the 1800s. We don't know if it goes back farther than that, but you can see from what it is and how it works that it definitely is not something that we would find in, say, a normal Christian society. Uh, The idea is is you have a, a pole and then you put a head of a horse skull on it, and when you do that, then you cover it in sackcloth, which is then draped almost like the, the neck of the horse. And then the horse is carried from door to door, and each of the men that was carrying it would sing and challenge the family inside to a battle of rhyming insults in Welsh, apparently. And at the end of the Battle of Wits, known as the punco. The group would then be invited into the house for refreshments. Uh, this tradition has pretty much died out in many parts of Wales, but some parts still acted out every December, and if you want to see it, it is actually performed at the uh, St. Fagin's National History Museum. And they also gather in Chepstow in January, as uh, a bunch of Mary Lloyds would gather there as well, so you can definitely go see it. I sound a bit like a travel log at the moment. But it's a really interesting idea, and it does go to show that this is a tradition that comes much from a very long time ago. The idea of something having, I guess, something akin to a, a godlike nature that would be perceived as being something touching the dead and perceived as reaching back to ancestors or reaching back to the gods and giving you good luck. It it kind of reminds me in some ways of the uh, idea in some Asian countries of the idea that red beans are good luck and you eat them around the new year and different things like that. So I think there is a sense that this is a much older tradition than, than what it what we know of from a written standpoint. And like I said, it's not practiced as much as it used to be, but I think the idea of Basically, having a rap battle in somebody's house with a dead horse head uh, or a horse skull is a very fascinating idea. Obviously, it's in practice doesn't work like that, but it, it, it kind of has that feel when you see it sort of as an outsider or someone from an outer age as to what it is. But I think it's an interesting tradition and it's unique to Wales. There are other... Uh, what they call covered animals in other places, where they do similar ideas in Britain, but this is a very unique idea and a very unique tradition. And like I said, reminds me of things that would probably have come, f- possibly even before Roman times, and it would harken back maybe to the Iron Age and how people would celebrate and get together and unite as a people. And I think it's a it's a fascinating one. This this one feels a lot more like it's something that would have been happening even back as far as we're in now with Welsh history. Next is the cullinig. Uh From dawn until noon on New Year's Day, children in the early 19th century Wales would go door to door, singing rhymes, splashing people with water and asking for a Cullinig, which are small gifts of change. Um, it's an interesting idea, this, and, and it kind of reminds me of something of a story that I have from, from one of the first years I was in Wales. We When we first moved there and were living in Cardiff, uh, early in our tenure there, we didn't fully understand every tradition and every idea of what people would do. And we had some preteen children, shall I say, uh, come singing at our door Uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas. And I went to the door, thanked them very much for their Christmas carol, and shut the door. Because in North America, you know, you might offer them hot chocolate or something, but that's about as close as you would get. And typically, you don't usually have little kids going around singing on their own. It was typically a combination of adults and kids and things. It was more of a a greeting type idea rather than a... uh, what this was, which is that they, they had turned around, and put out their hands waiting for coinage from me. So they were a little surprised when I, I didn't realize what they wanted. So the next year we made sure we understood better and, and we made sure they got a penny. Um, and as long as they didn't come by every day, I was more than happy with that and more than happy to, to celebrate with them. But uh, it's kind of funny. It's one of those little things that, that when you're, a little cultural misunderstanding, I guess. And it's kind of interesting to see how those things work. Um, it is an interesting idea that the, that in Britain it was always more of a, a kid carol rather than adults caroling. Whereas in North America it's almost completely the other way around. Next on the list is the homing. Um, this is one I am absolutely unfamiliar with. But apparently it's another Victorian tradition. Uh, which was a rather unpleasant tradition if you were a child. Uh, It's an extinct custom now, but effectively what would happen is the last person who got out of bed on Christmas morning would end up finding themselves being hit with uh, a prickly holly sprig, which, let me tell you, having stepped into a few holly sprigs and and, and some of the the local vegetation in the area, that would hurt, and I can't imagine how much it would hurt, whether it was taken seriously or taken on a more violent tone, and it's one of those things where, while it was a tradition, it's probably one best left as a former tradition. If you're like me and eating healthy is a bit of a problem, let me bend your ear a little bit to eat stress-free this spring with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved Get chef-prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factors' ready-to-eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring. Also, if you're looking for gourmet meals, try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for our lowest carbon footprint meals. Head to factormeals.com slash welshhistorypod50 and use the code welshhistorypod50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code welshhistorypod50 at factormeals.com slash welshhistorypod50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. If you would like to hear the stories of women doing all of those things, check out her half of history at her half of or wherever you get your podcasts. Next on the list is the wassail bulls. Um, we all heard the song uh, in English, especially of uh, here we come a wassailing uh, or wassailing and um, this is a drink specifically. It is in a bowl, which is called the wasail bowl, and it is a bit of an, it, an it's a New Year's tradition in Wales, especially at the turn of the century. It's actually an Anglo-Saxon and Tudor custom, as opposed to a specifically Welsh custom. And often the bowl is contains fruit, sugar, spice, and is typically topped with warm beer, um, which would be served as a warm drink as opposed to a cold drink and you can see how on a winter's day or on a new year's day that would be something of a a treat rather than a a hindrance or a problem and but it does kind of feed into that idea about British warm beer but nonetheless I think it's again this is something of a tradition which has come into Wales from other places and certainly that. Would probably be the case for a number of these they're probably not original to wales necessarily but like i said there are some which may even go back to the iron age um the other traditions that they that i wanted to talk about today were are more surrounding new year and sort of after the new year and one of the things that's actually a more prominently modern thing is the uh, noscalan races and these are fun runs which are done typically around New Year's Eve. Uh, it's a five-kilometer run which is done in Mountain Ash in the uh, Cayenne Valley in South Wales. And uh, they just basically go around the town. Um, and every year they have a, a mysterious runner who is apparently a popular celebrity or something who's running. And, and it's always interesting to find out who that is. So the idea of these races came about because of a, a character of legend called Guto Naithbran, uh who was said he could catch a bird in flight and once ran seven miles to Pontyprid, uh and back to this area, Mountain Ash, and before a kettle boiled. So that's how fast he was supposed to have been. So, and then, of course, when he was 37, a challenge came from a prince of Bedwas to run 12 miles from Newport to Bedwas Church in Carfilly. Uh, Guto Guto won the race, but the celebratory slaps on the back proved too much for him, and he died in the arms of his sweetheart, Shane. Uh, His body was taken to its final resting place in a graveyard near Mount Nash, where the annual races now take place from. So this is what it it marks. And then I, like I said, a bit of a more modern tradition that's marked today, but I think it's still a a very neat idea Uh, and kind of harkens back to the original idea of the marathon with the runners of marathon running back to tell Athens about the invasion of the Persians. Another new year's tradition. This one, a little bit different now, We're going to get into this very shortly, actually, probably within the next five episodes. But at one time, the Welsh Christian, or the Celtic Christian community in Britain celebrated holidays at a different time period than most of the rest of the Roman Christians did. And this came out of the fact that they were holding to the Julian calendar instead of the Gregorian calendar. So in some cases that would mean that Christmas and New Year's would be on different days from the Christmas and New Year's as they're celebrated in most of the Western European nations and around the world. And in fact, we can still see this today in in the Eastern Orthodox areas where Christmas Day actually falls on January 6th on our calendar and the New Year falls after that. Well, one particular valley in Wales, uh, the Guam Valley in Pembrokeshire, still celebrate New Year's on January 13th. In the old style of the uh, of the uh, Julian calendar, and they still celebrate and sing and have New Year's gifts for the children and celebrate Kaleniks at that point. So it's a kind of interesting and kind of kind of unique to see that tradition still maintained because that is one of the points that the Christian faith will argue about in the period around the time of Bede, especially about the. The discussion about when Easter is supposed to be celebrated and which calendar you're supposed to use and which Christian you're supposed to follow on this particular regard. So it, I think that's a fascinating one um, just because it has some linkages beyond Wales, but then again, harkens back to an older time. And last, but certainly not least is uh, St. Dewan's day which is on January 25th. This particular day is a day for lovers and it surrounds a, the story of a princess, uh, named Duin who back in the fifth century, she fell in love with a prince called Melin Davodril. Her father Breichan Breitjanog, who we somewhat talked about last week was determined that she would actually marry another man. She was devastated and that she couldn't marry her true love, and she begged God to make her forget about him. An angel visited her and gave her a potion. The potion was supposed to make her have no memory of Melon and turn him into a block of ice. And then she was granted three wishes. First, she wished for Melon to be thawed, that God meet the hopes and the dreams of true lovers, and thirdly, she wished that she would never marry. Daewyn devoted the rest of her life in God's service and founded a convent on the island of Flanthry in Northwest Wales, which remains of that church or a church there can still be seen even today. And on this island, as well as where, according to legend, sacred fish swim, it is said that the fish can predict the happiness of relationships. And apparently visitors still go there and, uh, hoping the water will boil, which means that love and good luck will follow them. So it's, a, it's a, a tradition which obviously is very old. I suspect, just from the descriptions of what it's talking about, that it m- may even once again predate Christianity, um, specifically because it has to do with water sources. And we know traditionally in Welsh and in Britain the idea of a water source was very important and the worship at them was also very important and it was very common. So this would be one of those things that they could Christianize and kind of make a Christian thing. I mean, if you put a church at that spot, suddenly it's as much a Christian tradition as it is a pagan tradition. And from often these things have links back even before. So I think, again, this is one of those interesting things. And, the fact that she's considered the patron saint of lovers is an interesting idea that shows how Christianized this idea has become. And like I said, it's hard to say if this predates that or or if this story and this person goes back traditionally farther, legendarily farther. But I think it's a it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting concept and an interesting discussion. I think the traditions of Wales are a fascinating one. There's a lot that we could talk about. We will talk about more, like the Welsh love spoons and that, as they come up in our history talk. Possibly maybe as we go and we get closer to certain dates, we might talk about specific things. But I hope this was entertaining and interesting, and I would encourage you to look up online for some other traditions. Uh, This actually came about because I was when I was working at one of the places I used to work at, we actually had a traditional thing that we would do at that workplace where we would put up... Christmas decorations and try and outdo each other and so I always like to go with a theme so one year we did Welsh traditions and I went and found and wrote them up and and then displayed them as well as the various Welsh symbols along with the Christmas symbols and so for me it, it was kind of linked to each other which I always found really wonderful and another reason why it's personally exciting to me is because when we moved to Britain my family joined me in December of the year that we moved and so christmas was one of those significant points for us at that time and so it has special meaning to me even over and above that so i hope you are having a great holiday i hope your holidays are magnificent um no matter what you're celebrating or who you're celebrating with and uh Here's for hoping for peace on earth and goodwill amongst all of us, because I think that spreads beyond every religion and every thought. So until next week, we'll talk to you later. Bye. This has been a Distractions Media production. For more information, you can check out everything we do at distractionsmedia.com. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.